The people who have the most experience talking about healing and talking about what's just for healing are a bunch of people who aren't in this conversation because they can't participate because they don't have access to this format. And so it, it has, I've been thinking all along while we've been working on this of just how exciting this moment right here is to, to try to merge these worlds of, of people who haven't maybe noticed the ableism of a podcast. This is Healing Justice, a podcast at the intersection of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Warning, and welcome to our big access launch. If you're listening to this live on October 1st, 2019, today is the day. We have been working towards this day for over a year. All of our full transcripts of all of our episodes are live on our website. We are so excited to share this with you. You can find it right now. You're going to hear us talk about it a ton. So I want to give you the URL at the beginning of the episode here. You can find it at healingjustice.org slash access. Healingjustice.org slash access. That's a place where we're going to be talking about uh, a ton of stuff that we talk about in this episode. Our whole process of our year-long over a hundred person effort to bring you these 1600 plus pages of transcripts and how we've designed our website and learned about disability justice and accessibility along the way. You can see all of that at healingjustice.org access. And you can also see all of these episode pages that just went live for over a hundred episodes with resources and bios of our guests and links to go find them and learn more about them and study with them and organize with them and see awesome pictures of them. Uh, the full text of transcripts that our volunteers have worked so hard on over the past eight months. You can look at all of those things for the new episode landing page, which is at healingjustice.org slash podcast healingjustice.org slash podcast. So whether you're on your phone or at a computer, if you can pull some of those things up, it'll give you an idea what we're talking about during this episode. And if not, no big deal. This is going to be a conversation with Michaela Anon and Erica Wolf, who are both significant leaders out of many leaders in our access team here at the show talking about our journey around really coming into not just giving lip surface to disability justice and dismantling ableism and prioritizing accessibility, but having to put a real volume of labor and money and energetic and emotional resources into um, our commitment to create access. And as Alice Wong told us on last week's episode, access is love. And so all of this work is very much central to um, the work of organizing and changing the world with love and the work of healing justice. And so here we are. I have with me here Erica Wolf, who's been our access team coordinator um, for almost a year now, um, and Michaela Nunn. So would y'all introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hey, Kate, thanks for having us on. Um, my name's Erica Wolf. And I use they and she pronouns, and I live in the Northwoods in Wisconsin, and I've sort of been a cheerleader for the podcast since before it started. Um, I know Kate from Milwaukee, and I come 
to this project, I guess, in a pretty long journey of being a DIY anarchist activist, um, become lobbyist. And, you know, I've worked in so many realms of, of nonprofit organizing and community organizing. And I was just really stoked to have some space to offer to support the podcast and the need Kate talked to me about was to show up and help organize this team. And I'm super stoked to be here. And I'm really glad that this is the place I landed on this project. Mm -hmm. I never would have imagined that I was like, you know what I should do is organize a team of people on every continent <laughs> on the planet. And that's what I should be doing for this podcast. But it's been a really great fit for me. And I've learned a lot just <sighs> showing up in this kind of DIY culture that we've built that's never been raggedy, but always kind of a scrappy process. So yeah, that's where I'm very comfortable kind of learning as I go. And it came up for me, you know, that these words of mutual aid and solidarity have always been a part of my activist language. And in the beginning of my experience, that looked like being anti-capitalist and that that was inclusive, right? Because, you know, fuck class. And it looked like being anti-war and it looked like being anti a lot of things. And that's how it kind of started for me was like being united with people who were like left out of these systems that were saying what was normal and what wasn't normal, you know? And I think I kind of just like grew up identifying kind of as a freak and a weirdo and an other, you know? And so these words of mutual aid and solidarity have always been something I just felt so good about. And I think that this project and in my own journey, really taking on ableism and focusing on what inclusion is, has really brought me back to those words. The function of this team has really been in those words, you know, that our liberation is tied to each other and we know that, and that that really, I think is what access means to me in a lot of ways. And just to be like, wow, those are also what love means too, you know? And so I'm, I'm hoping that other people who are listening to this conversation and are moved by this step in expanding access for this podcast can like reflect on some of those words too of like, what access is love? Like, what does that really mean? And like, when you say mutual aid and you say liberation and you say solidarity, like for who? Like, who don't you see in that? And then like, let's try to make space for them in your own definition, in your own heart. And I think that this team has constantly expanded what access and what inclusion mean to me. And I'm just so stoked to share with everybody about our journey today. Yeah. Yeah, you've done such an exceptional amount of work. And just for folks who don't know, and I know, Michaela, you do, because you've been part of the team that Erica has really like facilitated, that the amount of heart combined with logistical competence that you've brought to this team has been so important. I mean, just thinking about everything that it takes to do something that's digital, that's highly detailed, that's very decentralized. You haven't dropped the details. And at the same time, you've totally prioritized relationships and like really built actual relationships and friendships in this team that have been mostly facilitated through Slack and a little bit through Zoom, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. And it's really fun to also think about like when we were in 2011 in Wisconsin, which I think is the cycle in which I first met you, uh, occupying our state capital, 
Mm-hmm. I was coming back and forth from Milwaukee with the mostly the youth, but also the adult worker members of Voces de la Frontera, and like coming out to mobilize and take action each day um, with like 200,000 people that were working to uh, protest and eventually attempt to recall our governor, Scott Walker, which our efforts did in the long run pay off just recently in the 2018 midterms. Right, um, right. took way longer than any of us are comfortable mm. with. <laughs> um, but you were there, you were there coordinating folks to do like the really intense civil disobedience and like sleeping out in the Capitol. And I mean, you were living in the Capitol to some degree. Is this true? Yeah, I was there the whole 18 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's very powerful, the relationships that were made in that time, because anyone that was there with regularity was ride or die, and it didn't matter if you were from an organization or you like lived two blocks away. You know, some of the relationships that were forged there are some of my deepest relationships, even though I don't live in Milwaukee mm-hmm. or I'm in Madison anymore, and that I've really taken a sidestep in my career uh, as a professional community organizer. And I still very much honor and respect that. And I think that that taught me a lot about not assuming things about what people have to offer based on what you can tell about them or what is on their business card or what organization they're affiliated with. You know, there is this whole thing during the Capitol about whether people were affiliated or unaffiliated. And yeah, it opened my eyes a lot to the world that I was working within. Arguably, you could call it the nonprofit industrial complex of just believing that our way is the way. And Hmm. I think I wouldn't be working on this project without that experience, both for like having a relationship with you and also because I've just really been drawn to these like make it as you go, culture building is the thing we're doing. And that's what brought me to healing justice and to my own healing journey and certainly brought me to this project. And thank you for noticing me in my detail oriented, but also big picture skill set because it's not always valued. Sometimes it's hard to be the person who's like in both places at the same time. So thank you for seeing me in my work. Mm. And Mm. yeah, this has been a big project just to wrap one's mind around how tiny the details are. If, if for people listening that haven't participated in making a transcript, it's extremely detail-oriented, you know, down to where's the comma and the period go and which thing is bolded. But also there's 107 things to track through multi-layer process of different people touching it and a constantly evolving like best practices um, and then maintaining a community at the same time. So it's been a very massive undertaking that, you know, became so large, which we did not anticipate. And I think we got a lot more than just the transcripts as a result. Mm. And I think that mm. that's the real special thing is the, the stuff that is unseen. So I'm, I'm very glad to be doing this interview to be able to share with people a sort of behind the scenes view of what's gone into getting to this point. Mm. How about you, Michaela? I actually don't know if I've heard the story of like what brought you to sign up on like the access team form, what brought you here. Yeah, let's hear who you are. Yeah, hi. Good to be here with both of you. We've been in virtual touch for months now, and so it's nice to be 
sitting in a virtual room with you and <laughs> talking about some of the work that we've been doing. So my name is Mikaela Anan or Michaela, and I've been listening to the podcast for over a year. And it was really an accompaniment for me um, and with me through the work that I was doing uh, at home in Texas. So when I saw the, the call come out on Instagram, it was a yes for many reasons. Um, one, being able to interact with, with the content in a, in a different way other than kind of feeling like a passive listener um, and having kind of a hunger for wanting to engage in healing justice work uh, in a in a pointed way. Um, that was one of the yeses. And then the other yes came from a, we're making something more accessible. Absolutely. Um, I want to be a part of that. And, and I want to be able to lend the time and privilege and, and access that I have to this resource to other people who, who might not have it otherwise. So uh, I was really, really excited about that call. Um, and, and yeah, and I was excited to join the team and, and hear a little bit more about your journey, Erica, now, and also your journey together. Um, and then to be a part of it this year uh, through, through many steps and and places in my own life and um, hmm. and how I've been able to to stay connected to that through. So hmm. yeah, excited to, to be here and talk a little bit about that. Hmm. Awesome. So I want to back up a little bit. And I guess before we dive into the actual access team work of the podcast and the, the things that we've tried and learned together that are really specific to what we were working on, to think a little bit about accessibility as a commitment. In last week's episode, we heard from Alice Wong, who speaks on this a million times more eloquently than I do with the Disability Visibility Project and with Access is Love, which is a, pro a project that she runs with Mia Mingus and Sandy Ho, really kind of entering into thinking about accessibility in a broader sense. Like some of the things that really stand out to me are the first time I heard Leah Lakshmi talk about how there are no able-bodied people, there are just like temporarily abled people. <laughs> yeah. um, and thinking more about the trajectory of a whole life, you know, right after you're born, the amount of dependency, right, that we have, the different dependencies of illness, whether temporary or chronic, ability and disability that range and fluctuate over a lifetime, aging, uh, injuries, right, like flare-ups. And that quote really complexified for me this idea as if there could possibly be like static categories of people with disabilities or people with access needs and then people without access needs. And so, of course, all of us have access needs. We all, we're humans, we're animals, we're, <laughs> we're beings that are alive. And for me, like a big part of this process has been, you know, one of the practices we started doing in the access team early on was when we get together, we actually name um, what your access needs are. And uh, that's something that I also experienced in a generative somatics course last year as, as GS has been uh, working on ableism and accessibility within their somatics methodology as well. And I love that invitation because if we come out of this binary, like this idea as if some people need accessibility accommodations and others don't, 
it really helped me to even ask myself, like, what are my access needs? What are the conditions that need to be met for me to be able to participate in this thing, right? Um, and to have mm-hmm. honest conversation about that in our group. And so just want to hear from each of you, like, what in your own life and your own experience actually brought you to just even valuing this kind of work, not necessarily transcripts, but putting labor into creating access for, for ourselves and others. Yeah, what's been your experience? Yeah, I love that inquiry into something that I feel that people often leave off of the table when we talk about healing justice, when we talk about justice in general, when we talk about who can be present in a room, in a space, in a conversation, there shouldn't be a barrier to that, right, Uh, when it comes to accessibility. And so I think that's something that I kind of always grew up as a part of my experience in my own community, uh, is that we need to be having accessible spaces. I had an elementary school teacher, actually, who taught us the alphabet and sign. And this was like very foundational. So it never seemed to me to be out of the norm, to be having space that is accessible. I'm not even necessarily making space, but it it just to be, right? Um, And I think that there's also, when I think about approaching this work and and doing transcriptions and also doing editing, there's, there's a notion of kind of disappearing into the theory of what we kind of talk about and what we want to embody. And then there's actually just, well, yeah, let's do it, right? And so I think that's what's keeping me and kept me committed to accessibility is that, well, if there wasn't space for me here, if there's not space for you here, well, what what are we doing here, right? You should have the option to be able to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I I keep that in, in my in the back of my head as I, as I type out, as I listen really deeply to the words that are shared here on the, on the podcast. And also knowing that this is content that I think a lot of people, they find either expansive, connective to the work that they're already doing or something that they can use in their own lives. And so if it's something that people can sit with and that they might grow from or be able to share out uh, in these ways through the transcripts, then that's an exciting access point that we can help uh, provide mm-hmm. and that I've been excited to help provide. Mm-hmm. When you said, um, Michaela, about there's a room and who can be in the room and have a, it made me think about early on in my like training as, as an organizer, you know, when we're like trained in like what is power and how do we wield it and, and how do we define it? There's, you know, there's so much talk about, you know, getting a seat at the table and it's always sat with me uncomfortably. And I've always wondered like, why do I not like hearing this seat at the table thing? And I'm like, that's because there should be no table and there like should be no chairs. And there even really shouldn't be a room because now we have walls and there's some people who are in here (laughs) and other people aren't. And it's just not ever been right to me. It's just, oh, and I, and I, it's, like you're saying, like, I think it's just in me. And that has always been me. I've always been wanting more people to be around and always like willing to stand up for the kid who is getting picked on at school. Like, hey, well, mm-hmm. if you're going to call them a lesbian, then what's so wrong with that? You know, or if you're <laughs> going to like make fun of the kid who everybody makes fun of, like, why do you feel so good about yourself? And like kind of try to reflect that back 
and say like, what kind of power do you want? What kind of power do you think you have? Like, is this cool to make fun of the kid that everyone makes fun of? Um, and, and that's just always kind of been, I've had a fire for that. And I think that's driven me into my career as an organizer for sure. Um, And another thing that you said, Michaela, that just thinking about access to this conversation about healing justice and, and just my initial conversations with Kate around this being the need that for the podcast, we really need to commit on bringing more people into this conversation. It made me realize like, well, the people who have the most experience talking about healing and talking about what's just for healing are a bunch of people who aren't in this conversation because they can't participate because they don't have access to this format. And so it, it has, I've been thinking all along while we've been working on this of just how exciting this moment right here is to, to try to merge these worlds of, of people who haven't maybe noticed the ableism of a podcast with no transcripts as a platform who might not realize all the people who have so much leadership and so much to offer to those of us who don't know them because we're not in community with them. And this is this moment that we're bringing together people who may even have different ways of talking about what access is or what healing is because of their own journeys, you know, and I have my own my own journeys as an organizer of just being in the grind culture, which I know is something we has talked about a lot in this podcast, and that that has really like broken me in my body and broken me in my mind over the, you know, since I was 14 years old and I've been an activist and that's 20 years ago and I've mm-hmm. gone through a lot physically where I haven't been able to participate because I'm like laid up in bed with a pinched nerve in my neck. And, you know, getting sassy text messages from my boss about why I'm not at work, you know, or from my friends about why I haven't called them back. And so the more that I've been a part of this project, the more it's brought to light the experiences that I have, just like Leah was saying, you know, there aren't really able-bodied people. There's people who just don't know that they're disabled yet, you know, and like that totally affected me in that same kind of way, Kate, that it really like hit me hard, you know, And, and also there's an episode when you interviewed Dory Midnight for the podcast, she talked a lot about healing and just that like health is not a static thing. It's not a thing you attain and then you maintain it. It's something that's constantly in flux. And this idea of perfection of like perfect health or perfect body or perfect mind, even just in being well, that that we are judging ourselves and are holding ourselves back from being whole by a definition that doesn't really suit us, that need not be defined as binary. So this podcast itself and just being engaged with it deeper has certainly brought forth for me a lot of my own experiences where I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that is an access. I do have like a kind of a long list of access needs actually. Um, and depending on the project or like the thing I'm participating in, you know, it could be a longer or shorter list depending on what it demands of my body or of my mind or of my feelings or of my spirit. So there's been a lot of eye-opening thoughts, I guess, for my own self in just engaging with the over 100 people who've been a part of this team have also come forward telling their own stories about how they've been changed or having an aha mm-hmm. about their mm-hmm. own ableism that they mm-hmm. hadn't seen before. 
Mm. It's been really Mm. moving just to be Mm. present for a lot of that. And it's been Mm. cool to have a container that can hold people sharing that, feeling vulnerable enough to be like, hey, I'm learning something and I just want to tell everybody right now. And I know you'll understand because you're doing it too. And then like 50 emojis of in like people commenting of like, <laughs> yeah, totally. You're awesome. Thanks for sharing. So yeah, yeah. this has been yeah. such a rad project. And I think it's been cool to be a part of a space where people are committed to healing justice and are committed mm. to disability justice, mm. even if they didn't really know everything about what that meant. But they're like mm-hmm. here to show up for that and to learn mm-hmm. and to be in service of what other people are helping them understand about themselves mm-hmm. and about about other people that they've never even met before. Mm. I can't help myself but just comment on the fact that, of course, the anarchist is like, there should be no table, there should be no room, there should be <laughs> um, But I love that you brought in your own personal story a little bit, Erica. Seeing you over the years have these super hardcore upfront roles, like leading the charge into the budget hearing and getting people arrested and sleeping on the floor of the state capitol for 18 days, and then also going through having to be further from that very in the front, clearly, like the stereotype of what an activist looks like work through like various different kinds of life phases and responsibilities. And I think about you and I think about people like you who I know and love and see as so the embodiment of what being committed to movement looks like and the ways in which when we don't have a full spectrum conversation about access and about the many, many ways that people contribute to social movements. There's this really ableist, like really harmful black and white either or way, like when your boss was texting you, like you're either here or you're not part of the movement. (laughs) Mm -hmm, And I think a lot of our listeners like shout out and love to so many people on the access team who actually express this too. And to many of our listeners who are in phases of life that part of how you're connected is through listening to this podcast or taking on roles, you know, that you can do remotely or digitally or, you know, making people food and showing up to the thing in in like a million different ways. And how much like these people who've said yes to the access team, for example, and sat alone on your computer making tiny edits to like an audio transcript. (laughs) how much more I actually respect that kind of movement commitment than the person who's like the loudest person at the meeting all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. that kind of disciplined, committed labor that says, I don't need to be in the front. I don't need this to look any type of way. I'm not proving anything to anybody, but I'm going to put the labor or time or abilities that are possible for me into movement where I can I think this crew of over 100 people that we've developed on Slack are like some really freaking legit organizers. So the theme of access is really important to us. I mean, in social justice space, I feel like the the entire premise of justice is that all people get access to what they need. Um, And that this project is also very much founded on the spirit of access. Um, The reason why we are recording all of these conversations with these brilliant, beautiful people and sharing them in a public platform is 
foundationally about access. And the piece that we have been working on is expanding so that not just in podcast form, but in multiple other kinds of forms that are accessible for different people, like the written form of these transcripts, we can continue to spread access to this kind of work no matter where you live, no matter your economic situation, this is all free, right? And to uplift and actually document for some of these amazing teachers the work that they're doing, because oftentimes the folks teaching these practices or sharing lessons on the show haven't had a chance or haven't had the support to actually document their own work or create tools that they can share with the people that they work with. So this project was really founded first on the concept of creating access to these conversations. I just want to name, as we go deeper into what has been this kind of transcript and access team process here at the podcast, sort of where we started and how we got here and why we're here now, which is almost two years later after the podcast started, which is really an enormous gap between our value of creating access and being committed to aspiring to disability justice and where we are now, where we're just releasing transcripts two years later. And I want to speak to this part because it's really my responsibility to take in terms of having started this project. And the reasons why we haven't had transcripts till now are reasons that I need to take ownership of and also reasons that are totally classic reasons why there's not more accessibility created in the world. And the first one is not knowing. (laughs) Like when we started this podcast, it was powered by Googling how to podcast, like uh, not being part of this industry, not knowing the craft, not being good or experienced at any of this. And so at the beginning, just actually not knowing that having transcripts was a thing. And so ignorance is like the first reason why we didn't have this here since the beginning. And then the second was capacity. So time, skilled labor, people who knew how to do it, Money to compensate that time is a huge one. Not having any aspect of this project funded or knowing how to do any of it and just sort of like cruising on whoever showed up and said, I can do this part. That's how movement work starts. That's how good work starts is like people love a thing and have an idea and start trying it. But because we didn't have capacity, once it became obvious like, oh, this is something we should do, there was still a big lag between that moment and getting here. And so I felt really overwhelmed about that gap for a long time. Like, okay, there's this gap between us embodying our values of accessibility and actually having these materials for people, right? And I did ask for help like a year ago and shout out to J.D. Davids, who is a damn angel, um, and sat down with me and and, um, a couple transcriptionists early on who volunteered your time, Madeline and Empty and others who started manually just typing out and transcribing with us last summer. That time we had like around 50 episodes, now we're over 100. And then at the beginning of this year, 2019, it was just like, you know, we really need to ask for help. Like we need to ask for help in a big way. There were two huge reasons why I was really hesitant to ask for help. One of them is that I could not imagine that anybody would want to do something this detailed and meticulous and non-visible. And then the second thing was it's really tricky to ask people to volunteer to do this work because 
there's this catch-22 that happens when we're doing things that we love that aren't mega-funded, which is like the people who give the most and really advance our movements and our community spaces are often really scrapping to like get compensated for their labor and make ends meet. And so we didn't want to contribute to the idea that really important work should be offered for free. And we didn't have any money. So anyway, we put this call out. We put it out on Instagram and on our email list a couple times. And the first time we put it out, I want to say like 40 people filled out the form saying they wanted to help. And then the second time we put it out, it climbed to like 70 or 80. And now our sign-up list of people who've, who've wanted to help with Access Team is like close to 150 people, which feels shocking and incredible to me. And I just want to lift that up as both, A, like a way that we felt good about actually asking for volunteer labor is that we built a team big enough and we believed enough in the abundance of people who wanted to help that we actually invested most of our time into training and supporting people. And so we weren't asking for anybody to like jeopardize their livelihood to help with this massive volume of work. And then also just creating an opportunity for people to like be part of this community and to learn something together and to really go deep and to create what we've now gotten feedback on is like from incredible women of color disabled transcriptionists is like a really good transcriptionist manual. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Thank you for naming just like and being humble and honest, Kate, about coming to building or like asking for this team to be created because it's a hard thing to admit to 10,000 plus people um, on your project Mm. of that how Mm. you are feeling and what the decisions that you made that you're not proud of so Mm. thank you I want to say that and noting the technical parts of this you know that it is extremely meticulous detail-oriented work to edit and copy edit and format documents certainly is. We were also using so many different platforms. You know, when people when people are being onboarded, we were like, okay, you have to set up a sign up in Slack because that's where we're going to communicate. And then you need to have uh, set up a login in Descript because that is the platform we're going to use to give you the audio that you're going to be working on your transcript. And then you're going to go onto this Google doc, which is a manual that we made for you. But bef- And then before you get started, you have to sign up for an episode in this spreadsheet. And by the way, <laughs> when we train you, it's going to be on Zoom because it is a detail-oriented technical remote project. And, you know, I'm sure there were some people who were like, got that email and were like, yeah, that's not going to happen, you know? And <laughs> bless their hearts for like being honest about, no, I don't have the capacity to like juggle five platforms so that I can do this behind the scenes work. And I appreciate the honesty of those people that showed up and then were like, you know what, this isn't for me. And so there are definitely technological barriers for people to be a part of this team. And that came up a lot of times just because of the the way we were piecing together getting the work done. I'm sure there's many other ways we could have done it, but this is the way we kind of built it as we were going along. Also, something that you mentioned about capacity just made me realize that while there is all this difficulty and details, we're also like humans coming together in a space. And so 
you know, when people were having trouble keeping up, they were being honest about like when they were having difficulty staying with the timeline that they had committed to. They were like going above and beyond to be vulnerable and tender with other people who are also going through something, you know, people who are just bringing up like, hey, I'm in crypt time right now, you know, I'm sorry that I've been MIA for two weeks, but I had a surgery or, you know, whatever was going on in people's lives. And they wanted the team to know that their commitment was not wavering, but that their capacity was shifting constantly, just like we were talking before about your ability shifting constantly. And I think we have really tried to lead in that heart space of saying, you know what, you're here out of love and we're going to give that back to you. And if you need to step back, thanks for telling us and mm -hmm. someone will fill the gap for sure, because mm -hmm. we, we all want to see this project through. So many people picked up transcripts that were started by a different person for those kinds of reasons. And so each one is a collaboration of at least three people. I want to lead in telling the story of what we've done, that it's really about the culture of committing mm. to seeing it through and that no one was like complaining. Mm -hmm. So really it's been love and respect for the person who's going to be relying on the transcript and love and respect for the speakers and for their voice and for their identity to show through. So we want it to be as invisible as possible. Hopefully it is effortless to access and understand. Totally, totally, Erica, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the time that you're mentioning, like being able to, to go slowly if, if one needed to, but also recognizing that this backlog was something that people need access to. So I, I think that was really key in keeping in mind what our capacity is individually and then also what we share out to each other, with each other, even those simple affirmations on, on Slack. I really like to be able to communicate with people via that platform and even having met somebody in person now who is on the editing team. So that's been, yeah. that's been wonderful. Mm. Yeah. I also got to have one meetup, Michaela, with, with someone from Access Team that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, shout out to Simone. And Simone and several other people who joined the team are like students or past students, right, who have done some kind of transcribing like for like their thesis or something like that. And talk about a demographic with like really dope specific skills that are often feeling really disconnected from movement, mm -hmm. like when they're in academic space. Mm -hmm. And so... When I met with Simone, I was like, okay, like you've actually transcribed for like officially, like is what we're doing, is that, are we doing it? Like, are, are we doing the thing? And, um, and Simone was like, actually, this is the practices of this team are way more detailed and way more social justice oriented than anything I learned in school. And I feel like y'all are talking about that when you talk about like the commitment to not leaving something labeled inaudible. I mean, there's a huge commitment to representing people in their native language and representing the way people actually talk, including their accents, their pronunciations, their slang, uh, their sound, right? Like the line breaks, like all of that is so cultural. And I think it was you, Michaela, with the with the Chinese introduction from Marsha. Yeah. So we went chasing too. With shout out to Frankie and Marsha for the the Peace Poets episode and the Healing by Choice episode, who we emailed you like ten different times, but you did eventually get back to us <laughs> and help us figure out like the like the lyrics and how to represent 
the language that Dr. Drum was using, like in the bomba music from our live show, or um, Marsha when she introduced herself in her native language, and we wanted to represent those characters correctly in the transcript and not just bracket and say, you know, other language or something like that. You know, it's like that was a deep part of the meaning of what when people are expressing themselves and their self-determination. And we also got to have a lot of conversation about spellings and capitalizations and things that relate to racial identity and gender identity. And we used a bunch of resources for that. One of my favorites is the Radical Copy Editor, um, the resources that Alex Capitan puts together, especially around gender um, and writing. Um, so you also put the ask out to the team as a whole to share some thoughts with us that we could amplify like their experience on this podcast, right? What do we hear from the team? Yeah, totally. Erica, you said a lot of it in the struggles that people were going through, like the kinks that we're having to work out through the technology, et cetera. Um, I think that was in terms of getting it actually done and finding the time and space to do that. That was what people were having to, to wrestle with. And then something that I learned is the care that is needed to to really deeply listen to people. You know, you, you don't really, I think in conversation with people, you, you notice the cadence and nuance of what they're saying, but when you want to capture it in word form and know that it's gonna be on the website, know that it's gonna be here for as a resource for folks, really wanting to be deliberate about that. And so that, that has definitely been honing those skills for me and that attuning that you mentioned, Kate, is, is spot on, definitely. I know that we are super excited to hear back from folks. Um, so that, that resource and that tool that people can, can give feedback to, we would love to hear um, to make sure that we're doing it. And I love when folks who are completing their first transcripts and they say, I'm, I'm really excited to, to hear the feedback and, and to see how I can shift and being in conversation with with a couple of transcribers who who I've I've asked like is there a reason that you did it in this particular way awesome okay just want to make sure that I'm being true to that and also being true to our style guides and to what's going to be the the most legible for folks so yeah i think that's a little bit of it erica if you want to jump in and then yeah someone wrote in about being on the team and they said being on the team has been a balm and I was like, wow. And just that attuning and just how it has affected people individually in their own journey. It's knowing that you're not going through this alone is something people shared a lot about being on the team and that they really appreciated the togetherness of it. And that when someone was like having their like aha moment of a way that they integrated their learnings and training about disability justice from being on this team into something that they're doing in their home community or in their family, that they were like so stoked to share that with the team and for people to be with them and, and you know, excited for them and for it to be a learning process. And, you know, the blend of people of all walks of life, you know, that there are people who were forthright about being disabled on this team. And there are people in like every time zone with every imaginable lifestyle and gender identity and life experience, you know, just not doing this as a feather in their cap. And I like want to lift that up about what you were saying, Michaela, is that we weren't doing this to do this, to be like, look what we did. Um, and, and that no one really had that attitude of like, 
being corrected, you know, that people really were open and they really want feedback. And I think that's one of the things we're the most excited about releasing this catalog into the wild is not just to be like, yay, we did it, but to be like, I wonder how, if we did a good job, like, I wonder how (laughs) many people are going to get this and now they're going to be here. And are we, did we do a good job? And like, can we Uh do better? And like, do we need to go back and rewrite the whole manual and maybe like edit all of these transcripts again? And I don't know if it'll be the same humans that will be down to do that, but certainly our team as a whole is open to maybe there's a lot more that we hadn't thought of and how excited we are to bring them into this space. So it's been, it's been really beautiful just to think about our, just our access team growing. It's been really beautiful to hear also people say what you said, Michaela, about the deep listening and how it affects them and how they're changed by realizing how, how nuanced and specific the way a person chooses to communicate. So there was just so much like, wow, mm-hmm. if I was doing this in every aspect of my life, how much more deeply would I be listening? How much more present <laughs> would I be? How much more would I understand about what someone is trying to communicate with me? And so the, just having such a large group of people go through that experience together I imagine is going to have a huge rippling effect through communities all over the place. Right, totally. And I think that just beautifully links to that access is love that, you know, always bringing it back to that disability justice that has been started, you know, long before I saw an Instagram post, like long before we started listening and transcribing that, that really embodies that access is love. Like if that deep listening and that deep love comes from creating something that's more accessible, then yes, <laughs> we should be moving towards that. Um, and and like you're saying, in different communities and different spaces, so you can bring that work, you can bring that energy, you can bring that love to the communities that you are a part of and, and, and should. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's our commitment, right? It's our commitment as people who are committed to healing justice, committed to disability justice, that 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 access and that love is throughout. Hmm. One thing that really stands out to me through this process too is something that Jelani Fontaine uh, talked about in episode seven, which is with Third Root Community Health Center about different accessibility needs. Because I think one of the things one of you just mentioned is that also taking care of ourselves and that actually in any community, even if it was just a few people, oftentimes there are competing needs, not just different needs, but competing needs. And certainly in an audience size like what we have, there are a lot of very different kinds of needs, some of which contradict one another. And so one of the things that Jelani talked about that really stuck with me is that at the end, like the most important thing you can do is just be clear and honest about where you're at in offering access. And so for people listening, like adding an access statement to your event or your space or on your podcast page, which we're doing now at healingjustice.org slash access and just saying, you know, here's what we do have. Here's what we don't so that people can check out the resource or check out the rally or check out the invitation to a meeting And so one of the things that we are starting to put into practice now is a feedback form. 
to actually just be in conversation with people in our community. How are these transcripts landing with you? Are they creating more access for you? Is there something totally ridiculous that could have been obvious to you that we overlooked like uh, when it comes to like a screen reader being able to pick up the headings on our website or um, a way that we put used a color that we thought looks really good in the transcript but actually like creates readability issues or whatever we ask that you use that form to express your own access needs and let us know and also know that we are in a commitment to looking at, um, especially shout out to Whitney Spencer, who's our digital organizer, who's going to be bottom lining, really watching for patterns in this feedback. And that we're also pacing ourselves and taking care of ourselves as we move and knowing that there may never be a place that is fully accessible to all people, but that our commitment is to keep listening, to keep talking, to keep taking your feedback, to keep making extraordinary efforts to be as accessible as possible and to stretch ourselves to create as much capacity in this area as we can. And we feel also really excited for just the many ways these transcripts will be used. If you learned something from this episode or from looking at our manual or our kind of open source materials on our website, you can also drop us a love note in that access box. Did we do something that actually made you be able to use this project now? Um, did it change like your, your sense of inclusion in being here? We would also love to hear that because the good things also let us know where to keep putting our effort um, of like, oh, this is really working for our people. We are going to keep doing that, right? And I'm so excited, too, to just hear all the ways they're going to be used. I mean, even in this process at the beginning, I had this really like 2D flat assumption. Transcripts are for people who are hard of hearing or deaf. And certainly they are for that community. But there also been a million more requests once people started asking us for transcripts. And we said, just out of curiosity, if you'd like to share, how do you, you know, what do you want them for? And hearing back from people, like some folks wanted them because they wanted to be able to listen to the podcast and read at the same time because that was worked for their processing better. Um, there's people with like differences in learning or learning disabilities who wanted to read instead of listen, even though they were able to hear the podcast. There are people who are writing and documenting healing justice work who wanted to use transcripts to be kind of a more manageable library to be able to navigate and find this information. And there's even guests like I think about Phil Agnew from episode 38 who wanted a transcript of his own interview because he like had new realizations during this conversation and he actually is going to write a piece kind of based on some of the things he shared in his interview. So he wanted a transcript that he could work off of to learn for himself, right? And so let us know how you're using them. Stay talking with us about how we can do better. And you can find this enormous library of transcripts at healingjustice.org slash podcast. And you can see our access resources at healingjustice.org slash access. I want to create a moment of space here just before we close. I'm sure Erica and Michaela, like this time goes really fast and there's probably other things that you wanted to share. And so just an open invitation, if there's anything else you'd like to say, or you'd really like to communicate uh, to let us know. This really has been a beautiful, difficult, technical, <laughs> mind-blowing journey for all of us, I think. And I hope we just like kind of keep 
taking out the mm -hmm. tables and taking mm -hmm. out the chairs and taking down the walls and just being together in space, however abstract that metaphor gets, and just being together. Yes, I want to say thank you, Erica, for that leadership and that embodiment. Um, it has been really heartening to see people who are making that commitment and then carrying it through. And I feel that you show up in that way so frequently. And so, so thank you. Um, and also to, to the folks who even started this, this call, I feel very humbled to be a part of something that hopefully has reach and access and potential for folks to be able to be making some real strides and, and steps in, in their community and their journeys um, in their connectivity to each other and to to that togetherness. Um, and I also want to say thank you to, to like shout out to the folks who helped with that Chinese translation as well, like Kai stepping in. I, I think this is all that labor of love and it is really moving in when you can and where you can and then also knowing what spaces to take up. So I'm very hopeful that this work and what I've learned through the training, the transcribing, the resources we've shared with each other on the team, uh, that that can be something that I can integrate into to every part of of what what I move forward with. And and so I really do hold that deeply in my heart for making more space, mm -hmm. <laughs> taking away the tables, um, <laughs> and 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 lifting up. Mm. That, that access. So mm. thank you. And thank you, Kate, for, for having us on today. Mm. Mm. So hey, Access team, volunteers all over the world, I hope that we did you justice. Um, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your disciplined commitment and your aliveness and your joy and your passion for this work. You can see this week on our social media accounts some features and a little bit more of the insight into who is the access team. So check us out on at Healing Justice on Instagram. On Twitter, you can find us at HJ Podcast and on Facebook as Healing Justice Podcast. An enormous thank you to our producer, Jale Akavan, who also is moving her work with attentiveness to access and thinking about how she makes cuts. We're trying our hardest to shorten them as much as we can. We just, the people are too amazing. <laughs> it's really hard to cut them down shorter, but we, we're trying to. And thank you to Jale for moving in a way that also is really access-centered. Thank you to our sound designer who does mixing and mastering, Zach Meyer at The Cole Room. And y'all heard me mention several times, but I'll say it again. You can find our access feedback form and our article about our access team process at healingjustice.org access. And you can see all of the transcripts and new episode pages for all of your favorite episodes that have been here on the podcast. They are all up and ready to go at healingjustice.org podcast. Big ups to Park Ballantine, who actually created originally all 100 plus of those new pages on our website, um, and Whitney Spencer, who is maintaining them, and to Shelby and so many others in the Access team, um, including Doris at Melanin Collective and other volunteers who've written into the podcast who've helped us understand what it even takes to make a website more accessible down to the coding and the layout and the colors and everything we're doing there. We know we have a long way to go, but we're learning so much. 
So one of the things we're doing as an access team is we're actually going on a break for a couple months and hiring um, Cheryl Green, who is an incredible transcriptionist, who shout out to Alice Wong at Disability Visibility for introducing us to Cheryl. Cheryl is going to be taking on transcripts for a few months here as we get into the rhythm of releasing transcripts on the same day that the episode comes out, which requires a really fast turnaround. And the process that we had built as a volunteer team really doesn't allow for an immediate turnaround. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually hire Cheryl and pay someone to do transcripts for a little while give our team a break so that we can reflect and integrate lessons and decide what we want our next rhythm to be together. And so if you have been moved by this conversation and want to support this work, you can do that by donating to help us pay the cost to pay Cheryl for her important and critical labor. You can give at healingjustice.org donate. There are different ways to give there. And one of the best kind of most mutual ways you can give is by donating at uh, becoming one of our members on Patreon, becoming a sustainer, and you'll get access to different membership benefits like our book club um, or a practitioner circle that we host um, intermittently to reflect on how we're using these practices out in the world. Um, And your financial support helps us do things like fund the transcription software we used for the volunteer team and pay people like Cheryl to tap in when we need to have a break to integrate. So uh, please help us raise the funds that will be required in order to keep these transcripts coming on a timely and weekly basis. Yeah, y'all, I know that you know that we've been talking about changing our name for a long time. This podcast is changing its name soon. So even if you're listening to this after we have a new name, we're going to make sure all the links we've been talking about redirect and they're still the right links for you to find what you need. So really excited to share that with you soon. So humbled to work alongside badasses like Erica and Michaela and looking forward to wrapping up season two with you on next week's episode. Sending you love and sending access as love. Bye, y'all.